Newly Eberty is the art and state of being a woman, and I think that should be celebrated. My name is Michelle Lyons. Welcome to the Celebrate Newly Eberty podcast. Just a reminder, this podcast is for information only and not a substitute for consulting a healthcare professional. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Celebrate Newly Aberty podcast. I am delighted to have friend and colleague Siobhan O'Donovan on today. For a lot of my working life, I talk a lot about breast health from a breast cancer perspective. And I think it's really important that we focus on breast health as well. And who better to talk about supporting good breast health than Siobhan herself, who has really made this her life's mission. So Siobhan, welcome to the podcast. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself (laughs) a little bit about yourself and how you ended up going down this path okay so firstly I was born in Cork so you know now what that means that this could go on for a while (laughs) so you'll have to stop me don't forget to go enough Siobhan Um, will do so yeah I uh, born and raised in Cork uh, very active during my kind of youth I suppose um, sport was very important for me Um, this was uh in the, I suppose, early 80s, when I was going to be looking to at what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life kind of a thing. And I knew I wanted to be involved in the world of activity. And to be honest, at the time, the only option really available that I knew of was to be a PE teacher. And I was very happy about that. I wanted to actively wanted to be a PE teacher. But I now look back and I realize I didn't look at any other options. I didn't know there was an option to be a physio. I'd never come across physiotherapy, would you believe? Um which I suppose might have been a good thing for for uh, for me and my family at the time. But um, I did my training as a PE teacher and in our third and final year, uh, third and fourth years, which were our two final years, we were introduced to a little bit more detail on exercise physiology and there was a module on sports injuries. And I was absolutely fascinated by that. I was really keen to learn more about that. So having served my time teaching PE, um, uh, not a lot of time I just did a year and then kind of thought you know what I really want to do a little bit more on this injury side so I went off to the states and I did a master's and I did it over there because I came across a qualification there which is very specific to sport and exercise um, and it's called athletic training and um, that was what I did my master's in and that was what I did my professional qualification in um, originally and um That was what was really kind of, I think, for me, very much a foundation of where I am now is that um, the profession of athletic training started in high schools. So the idea was that there was somebody there because the level of high school sport in the States, as you know, is very Mm. high. So the greater the exposure to injury, the greater the injury risk. And so what they developed was a profession where they had people in the schools to be able to look after the student athletes straight away. But also there was a big responsibility on that person to decrease their own workload by preventing the injuries happening in the first place. So for me, that was my first introduction to, you know, it's all well and good having injuries, but like, can we not stop them from happening in the first place? So that's very much where my focus has always been. I've always been preventive and and it's one of the pillars of athletic training. And it's something that I've brought with me to to physio. Um, And I think that kind of set me off on a road of any time I ever worked with a patient 
my first question was never what brings you here today. My first question was tell me about you. All the mm. things that we now do biopsychosocially, um, yeah. you know, which has now happily happened. Um, but I suppose back in the early 90s, that, that was a little bit of a, of a different emphasis. So so a lot of my initial consultations with people were just talking and asking questions and listening. Um, right. And I kind of, I suppose, to then bring that forward, worked in the musculoskeletal field, focused my all of my work was in the musculoskeletal field uh, worked a lot in sports with sports teams and began to realize I think more and more that a lot of the problems that people were presenting with not necessarily related to sport but more general problems that people were presenting with or that I might see in addition to their sports injury were very often self-inflicted through blissful ignorance so mm. the likes of you know having levator scapula be at the end of its tether constantly and be at this long tense position because yeah. of where we're holding our head relative to our trunk and the fact that that was you know being seen as oh I'm really tight here can you loosen me off I mean when mm. I you know when you come across somebody in a pub and they kind of go oh, what do you do well you know I don't go randomly up to strangers like that the way that sounds but <laughs> you know if you're having a conversation and yeah. they say what do you do and I say I'm a physio and they go oh will you loosen me here and uh -huh. I don't initially say I'm a I'm a booby physio um uh, but I get to that eventually. But if they say if they loosen me here, my stock answer to that now is wind your neck in. Yeah. And they look at me and they go, I beg your pardon. There's no need to be rude. And I'm like, no, <laughs> just simply wind your neck in. And I am constantly telling people to feel their left scap origin, feel it mm. when your head is forward, feel it when your head is back. It's so simple. It's almost insulting. And I think this is... If, if you were to do an epitaph for me, it would be, let's not overlook the simple. I think we have moved very much into looking for complex solutions to things that very often have a very simple origin. And if yeah. we get back to that simple source and we can unravel that source, then a lot of the suffering, I think, and the pain that people go through can be nipped in the bud or reversed or mm. at least minimized mm. now yeah. obviously i appreciate that there are chronic pain situations and but i'm i'm you know and even with that anything we can do i yeah. think to improve alignment well i think you know even as you're saying though with chronic or persistent pain i think that still holds true because optimizing the environment you know whether that's sleep or nutrition or just kind of re-establishing somebody's relationship of trust with their own body and making yeah. them feel safe in their own body again and just showing them how simple changes can often be tremendously important. Um, yeah. I think that's kind of at, at the core of what we do. So you went from PE teacher to doing your athletic training in the States and then you came back and did you do physio here or how did you bring it all together? So I, when I came back, I was in the UK first. I ran ran yeah. my own clinic with, with my husband. We had a sports medicine and sports science combination clinic and then brought in some wow. general physiotherapists. So we, that was kind of, again, in like the early 90s. So um, kind of, I suppose, been, been pioneering a good few things, really. Um, yeah. And, um, and that was great. And do you know what was also, what I loved about that was how immediately you could apply what we were doing with elite athletes 
to the weekend warrior to your normal person because for the normal person it was just as important to find the source and to find what was going on there um and so um i was accepted by the hcpc in the uk um and uh which is why i just specialize in the musculoskeletal side so i don't go into any other form of physio um and then was accepted by the csp so um, basically became a state registered and chartered physiotherapist with the specialism of of MSK. Um, and that was great because that I suppose from that perspective, I was beginning to realize that much as I loved working with athletes and loved mm. working with people who were committed to, um, you know, doing things in terms of um rehab and training that they knew was going to help them to reach their goal yeah I also felt that a lot of what I was saying to them was applicable to people who were not in that elite sports environment or or even a recreational sporting environment and so it was great to kind of be able to come into the more general physiotherapy sphere from that perspective Um, and then when we moved back to Ireland I kind of realized that this and I wanted to be in Cork rather than in Dublin where we could have stayed in that more kind of um bigger sporting environment because of there being a bigger population mm. um but I wanted to be down in Cork really so I started to do more and more work just as it was kind of coming in with people on yeah. posture um and just had an epiphany one day where you know I I would have been one of these physios who would have been talking to people about trying to gain a little bit more in terms of that stacking position yeah oh we've lost you there Siobhan okay we're back so you were talking about stacking Siobhan yeah so I would find myself talking to people about that concept of having the pelvis under the rib cage and the rib cage under the head and just to get that um alignment so that we have better respiratory function so that we have better um pelvic floor function so that we've mm. got outside of the musculoskeletal side of it looking at more kind of general systemic things as well and I was just having those conversations more and more and I did look you know over the course of my 30 odd years now as as a as a as a physio I did have people sometimes wear thoracic supports and I did have sometimes tape people into that kind of position where if they then dropped into flexion they would have that proprioceptive pull from the tape and that nice. became something very important to me um as as a means to teaching people um so when i was fitted first in and in a in a bra fit that made me go oh my god i'm an inch taller wow. <laughs> i am ready to take on the world i mean i i noticed the physical effect michelle but at the time i was playing rugby for ireland so i wasn't i mean i was in pretty good physical shape and i would have been quite yeah. strong in my back um yeah. So the physical side of it was more the fact that I felt I was being lifted, but it was the psychological effect that had on me. Um, I was I was in London at the time and I was going to to, going to the proms with my mother in law and I brought her for this appointment with me as well. And she was amazed as well. And the pair of us walked out of there and we got up on stage in the Royal Albert Hall. (laughs) Like no bother, no bother at all. Um, And I just felt very what I, what I know we know, we're now describing as empowered um, and I just felt like I had a a self-confidence that I wouldn't have been lacking but a self-confidence that 
became something that was just there because of the stature I think that I had because of that openness um, and that then made me go okay if that's the way it's had that effect on me I'm then looking at all the female patients that I have that stand yeah. up after they've been you know uh, after they finish their session with me and I see them droop yeah, and I kind of started to put two and two together, and and you know actually did make four as opposed to making twenty two, where previously I might have been, um, and then the whole proprioceptive side of it with the racer back in the yes. brass, that became something that I felt was very vital. So, getting the optimal bra fit is massively important from the point of view of breast position. Mm-hmm. But if you're in your optimal bra fit and you and you for whatever reason, you know, and you know, we're we're all saying now it's fine to go into a different posture, but staying in a posture that's putting things at the end of their tether yes. is for me still a no-no. And I know I might be controversial in saying that, but now no. we do have evidence showing that as well. So I'm I'm happy to be controversial and put my head above the parapet. Um, and for me, I'm trying to encourage people to to have the strength to come out of that position. They need that strength in their upper mid back muscles and in erector spinae. So yes. the more time we spend in this stacked position, the stronger we get in that posterior chain. Love it. So it's, I mean, again, it's, it's so simple. It's almost so, yeah. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it as an insult at all, Siobhan, because I think it's really, really important. Um, and it's something that I don't think we talk about enough. You know, we talk about women's health sometimes as being kind of, oh, I don't know, like in a derogative way, as as bikini medicine. You know, we're talking about kind of breast health and pelvic health. But I don't think we talk about breast health enough. Um, and I think it just has, you know, we know that posture has a huge effect on mental health. And I mean, you're you're the living proof of that as well. And again, like you would not be somebody that I would think of as being particularly shy or retiring. You know, you're from Cork. So, you know, enough said. But, um, you know, like you had you had a professional level of skill. You had a sporting level of skill. You were out there in the world. But even so, you even noticed the psychological boost feeling well supported gave you. And I wonder, like, you know, if we take those kind of pivotal life stages in in women's health, if we look at, you know, from a menstrual perspective, say in the reproductive years, we know that teenage girls drop out of sport in those early teenage years. And I'd love to get your perspective on that because you have it from both the PE teacher, but also the athletic training side of things. And then you know, the maternal years, the postnatal changes to the breast, particularly if you're breastfeeding. And then, of course, menopause, if you haven't got good support for, again, the changing breast at menopause, um, what does that do in terms of bone health? Because we know the thoracic spine is a key area for osteoporotic changes. So do you think if we were having this conversation more often and more openly, we would get girls to stay in sport longer and that could potentially stave off a lot of those menopausal health challenges that we're seeing down the line. 100%. I mean, that whole, what was it, Tutu said about pulling people out of the river before they go upstream or whatever That's right. that, whatever that yeah. phrase was. If we can get girls well supported from the get-go, yeah. then the number of them, now there are various reasons why girls give up activity and it's not just sport, it's also the likes of dance and gymnastics and sure. uh, you know anything that is just moving their body. Um, there are plenty of other reasons as well, but we do have research, uh, the University of Portsmouth did a study 
in 2018 and they looked at over 2000 teenage girls and 70 nearly 75% of them said already they had a concern about breast movement and 50% of them 45% of them had actually said it had already affected their participation in some level of of school school sport or activity yeah. so it is an absolutely a thing breast movement whether it's embarrassment because of it or whether it is pain because of it and both mm. of those are very different but they can both happen uh, simultaneously um and both of them are a barrier to girls participating in activity now if we can from the very beginning get them so that they don't have the embarrassment and they don't have the pain because they are optimally supported but Mm. more importantly and this links into the, the rest of your question have them understand and know how to do it themselves yes i don't see why and i have no i I mean no disrespect to anybody working in in any retail environments when i say this but i don't see why we have to rely on somebody to tell us whether a bra fits or not it's not rocket science we should learn that we then know literally you fit yourself every day you put your bra on and one day you might think oh I'm not so sure that that wire is sitting in the right place there. I need to loosen something or I'm not so sure that that strap is is kind of sitting where I want it to be or I have a bit of a gap here. I need to Mm. tighten. And over the course of the menstrual cycle, breast tissue enlarges and decreases. But most women don't know that. So when women put a bra on, they put it on. They very rarely adjust the straps. The only time they ever adjust the straps is if one of them falls off. Mm-hmm. they don't have the straps different because of everybody having asymmetrical breasts or almost everybody so almost everybody should have their their straps asymmetrically lined up yeah and and very often people will just put a bra on they might have been measured for it or they may not have been they may have just ended up picking whatever was available in the shop and sticking it on because women don't understand the role of a bra they don't mm-hmm. understand its function If you ask people, what does a bra do? They will say, the vast majority of people say it's to cover your nipples. That's what they think it's for. Some people will say that it's to support your breasts. But then when you ask them, what does that mean? They don't actually know that supporting your breasts means having them in the front of your body where Mm -hmm. they started their life, as opposed to having them underneath your arms. arms Side boobs. Where they migrate to. Exactly. Yeah. So, Again, for me, there's a huge educational piece. And this is where I would, you know, and I have done, I've just been in a school in Bantry and I spoke to 13, 14 year olds. Um, and, and I think if we can get them just understanding that this is something that it's simple, it's a very simple solution. It's a very simple piece of knowledge, but it's a piece of knowledge that can serve you through the rest of your life in very significant ways. Because, you know, I suppose... When women are pregnant, they notice that their breasts change. And very often they will look for a different bra. But what they're looking for is different. It's not necessarily right. And similarly, you know, with breastfeeding, obviously breast tissue size, um, sorry, the, the breast tissue composition changes. So the size and the weight and volume changes. And then again, they will maybe go back to what they were wearing before as opposed yeah. to, well, now actually the shape of your breasts has probably changed yeah. um, and it can change between different pregnancies, you know? So 
it's just having that education. And I, look, I, I, I know I'm speaking to the converted here because you and I both know that knowledge is power. And yeah. for me, if people just have that little bit of information and then they literally fit themselves every day and they they will go through their criteria in their head, which they don't have to go through like as a tick box. It'll just be very obvious someday when it isn't right. And, and to go uh, to finish your point, the menopausal transition, breast tissue composition changes. So for some women, their breasts get smaller. But for a lot of women, because of the hormonal changes, their breasts get bigger. Mm-hmm. And then for some women, when they start on HRT, their breasts get bigger. So you've got some of these changes that are unpredictable. Yeah. Unpredictability doesn't matter if you know how to deal with it. Exactly. Exactly. And so how often should we be reassessing our bra size? Because I know like, you know, a, a 38 double D from one shop is not the same as a 38 double D from another shop. Um, how often should we be doing a self-check? You know, like we talk about every month doing a vulvar self-check and a breast self-check and every year measuring your height, you know, on your birthday to make sure that that's not going down as well. But how often would you like to see women assessing their bra size? And let me just follow up that question with a comment because you said this to me once and it rocked my world. If you are the sort of person who takes off their bra with a sigh of relief at the end of the day, you are wearing the wrong size bra. And that was like, whoa, (laughs) whoa, whoa, whoa. So how often should we be checking into this? And tell us more. (laughs) So, I mean, to be honest, the answer to that is every day. Because literally, when you put put it on, it's either going to fit you, you adjust it if it doesn't fit you. And if you adjust it and you can't make it fit you, then at that point, that bra isn't working for you anymore. Okay, so sometimes you'll see and look, it is great. There are more conversations now happening, particularly around sports bras, which is super. I think we need to talk more about day wear bras because, yes, yes, it's massively important to be optimally supported in sport and activity. Hugely important. It's also not always a a huge part of somebody's day. What about the rest Mm -hmm. of the day? You know, you need to be supported then as well. So I want that conversation to be happening now about day wear as well. But if you know how to adjust it so that you're so that you're optimizing the fit. Yeah. And if you do that and you can't optimize the fit and something isn't right, if the wire is sitting on breast tissue under your arm or if the wire is sitting on breast tissue at the front here um, Mm -hmm. or if you're double boobing out over the top or side boobing over the edge or if you're simply at east and west at dipped headlights and you're not okay. supported in front anymore let, let, me, let me just things... let's clarify dipped headlights for a minute Siobhan because uh folks might might just have missed that one I think it's a really important one so dipped headlights is basically where you know everybody okay there, there are a few things that people think are inevitable as women right and that winds me up. There's a few things that are not inevitable. They are things that have happened to previous generations because we haven't had the insight and the knowledge to do something about it. So that's not necessarily the way it needs to continue. So, you know, you were saying about measuring height. And I know absolutely that there are hormonal changes around menopause that can that can affect kyphotic curves. But... Mm-hmm. Those images that you see of 
women getting smaller and smaller over their life. Mm-hmm. How often do you see that image of men? No, that is true. That is true. Um, I do think like we we do have to acknowledge the hormonal reality of estrogen on bone health. But I agree yes. that there is a point where that is reversible, and that's where we become postural versus structural, isn't it? Absolutely. And yeah. and if we if we don't even have to reverse it, so yeah. if we get in there first. and end up with support, then we don't have that gravitational pull. I mean, basically, our breasts are gravity hoarders. They will be taken by gravity unless we do something to prevent that. And that's where, like, the bra fit is really important because that's the external side, but the postural side of it is the internal. And if if we do the internal, it feeds the external, and if we get the external right, it promotes the internal. And Absolutely. so what you've got is a very positive catch-22 there. So high um, beams. <laughs> high beams. Oh, yeah. So the dipped headlights are basically, um, exactly. So the dipped headlights are, if we if we give to gravity, if we let gravity take us, our breast tissue is going to head down towards the floor. And mm. s- you know, our skin is the only structure supporting our breasts. So the reason why it's considered acceptable that your breasts are going to go south as you get older is because the skin stretches and the skin will stretch unless we do something to take that length tension out of the skin as much Mm. as we can. And the reality is they don't just go south. They go southeast and southwest. (laughs) So that's where they end up being dipped headlights. Right. And what I've shown with the work that I'm doing and my uh, posture fitting partners are doing, if we get somebody into their optimal posture, you go to full beam. Yeah. If you then add the optimal bra to the optimal posture, you go to high beam. So Love you're us. taking even more load off the skin. Yeah. Because you're uplifting the, that breast tissue. So there's a law called Hooke's law, which is if you hang a weight on a structure, then you will stretch out that structure. And that's what happens to skin. And it will stretch because of the breast weight. And then obviously over menopausal transition, yeah. because of the effect of the lack of estrogen or the change in estrogen, um, yeah. then that will, you know, that will be even more pronounced, which is one of the reasons why the highest cohort of women getting breast reductions are actually postmenopausal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, there's a there's a breast surgeon from I think she's in Dublin and Drod. I see her posting fairly regularly about that as well. Um, and just the 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 game changer it can be because they're not literally dragged down. But you know, I think what I'm hearing you say is that prevention is always better than the cure, and to to get women into the habit of being well supported it's, it's a lot like life it's a metaphor for life isn't it to be well supported yes. at every life stage um and yeah. to teach people how to do that so let me ask you then Siobhan um because I know this is something that you talked about again that was a, a shocker for me where does most of this breast support where should most of the breast support come from in a bra the the chest band or the straps um 80 percent of the support comes from the band yeah, and that's the this, chest band. This this blew my mind because I, I think, and I, I don't think I'm alone in this because I think everybody thinks that, particularly if you have a larger chest, that it's the straps that are holding you together and that they come to terms living with these grooves, you know, particularly if they are a bigger busted person, grooves in their, in their upper traps almost. So can you just like, just tell us a little bit what we should be looking out for, 
like when it comes to knowing that a bra is right for you, you shouldn't feel like you're wrapped up in 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 chainmail. I mean, it should be comfortable, no. shouldn't it? It should be comfortable. You should be able to get two fingers in in the band behind you. But if mm-hmm. you can get more than two fingers in, then what you're lacking is support. And one okay. of the things that I had to kind of I, I had to I had to wind my own neck in on this actually was when I started, I was all about support and and I was thinking comfort uh, will manage comfort comfort will come eventually if you get the support and then I realized that actually you know a bra is no good to anybody if it's sitting in a drawer because it's not comfortable but and I have a very big but what has happened is women have been encouraged or have uh, by organically ended up buying bras that are comfortable but Uh they're not supportive Yes. So you can have supportive and comfortable if it's the optimal fit. You don't have to sacrifice comfort. If you can get more than two fingers into the bra band, you are sacrificing support. Okay. If you can get more than two fingers into the bra band, um, your straps are taking more weight than they should do. They should only take 20%. This is why we can wear strapless bras. Mm. So if you think about it, if the, if you're lacking the 80% around the band, there is nothing else that the breast tissue is connected to other than the straps. Yeah. So gravity is pulling down. So the straps are not going to be able to take that load because similarly as the skin, those straps are not strong enough for that. So then they dig into the body, which then gives discomfort and oh, yeah. pain and and causes people to do this. And then as they're doing this, they end up with issues with their neck, issues with upper traps, issues with levator scapula. You know, so again, all of these things can can domino effect. Yeah, for sure. Just for for people who are listening, for folks who are listening rather than watching, Siobhan was just talking about her shoulders being up around her ears, trying to, to take that pressure off. So if we kind of switch gears a little bit, Siobhan, then, and start talking maybe about sports bras, in your opinion... Uniboob or encapsulated separate breasts? What's better? Does it depend? So it's it's not that simple in the sense that each of those has its own, if you like, function in terms of what it's trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. Where if you only have one, so if you only have a compression, then yeah. the amount of compression into the breast tissue adipose tissue is fat tissue is primarily what the breast is made of and if you Mm -hmm. compress fat tissue for a long time it can then become uncomfortable so Mm -hmm. um a compression on its own isn't enough because you need too much compression for it to be effective that would make it comfortable and also that's only compression in one direction generally from the front into the body so the breast moves in three ways it moves in a three-dimensional um manner so it moves vertically which is the bit that most people would be aware of and that's what causes breast slap when we uh when we heel strike Uh the torso stops but the breast keeps going and that's what causes the slap. And that's what um, we think now is what causes breast pain. So it's okay. not actually the vertical displacement. It is the deceleration on heel strike nice. as the breast keeps moving. Okay. So um, you've got vertical, which is the majority movement with running. You've got side to side, so medial lateral. 
And you've got front to back, which would be anterior, posterior. So you've got all three of those movements happening. So ideally, you want a sports bra, ideally, to try and minimize all of those planes. Now, the primary plane for running activities is vertical. Um, So if we come back to what you were saying with that compression one, that's going to be the compression only is going to be potentially effectively minimizing the AP plane, but with the problems that I've mentioned. Encapsulation, you get better control of the vertical displacement and you get better control of the mediolateral displacement. Okay. So really, your ideal is a combination. Okay. And the combinations are now being called a hybrid. So Mm -hmm. where you've got some compression in the form of padding or in the form of, um, you know, maybe just thicker material, which will also have a a dampening effect, a a shock absorbing effect. Um, Okay. And again, we know how important that is for the pelvic floor. Um, But also then with the encapsulation, you get that little bit more control of of the other planes of movement. Okay. a hybrid is your ideal. What I am going to caveat that also, Michelle, though, and say is there was a study done in 2022, I think I'm going to say, and it looked at 96 different sports bras. So now we're a year and a half past that, nearly two years past that. So I'm sure we're well over the 100 mark in terms of in terms of sports bras. It's a bit of a minefield, you know, for us to be advising people to get a good quality and optimally fitting sports bra is not the same as just saying, go and get a sports bra. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the part of the conversation that is happening now is there's a lot of talk about sports bras are essential. A good one and a good fitting one is yeah. what's essential. And a lot of the ones that are on the market, unfortunately, are not great. They mm-hmm. are big. In the same way as there's a lot of menopause products out there now because it's a target market that has been sure. seen from a consumer perspective, sports bras are a bit ten a penny and they can call them a sports bra if it looks like a sports bra. Um, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck. But is it an effective sports bra? A lot of them are not. And that study that was done, um, they showed that only 67% of the ones that were marketed as high support actually were. So that means there's there's a lot of them out there that were marketed as high support and were not high support at all. Okay. There's so much more that we could go into, Siobhan, about this, but but essentially, um, your bra should you know breast support or the lack of it should not be a distraction in your everyday life or your sporting life. Uh, so like a good bra is really it's an essential piece of kit whether you are an elite athlete or you're um, a normal person. Um, and I really think this is, it's just such an essential topic. I mean, we know um, you were at the the conference, the UPMC conference uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, where we heard Kelly McNulty talking about how only 6% of the research done in sports science is done exclusively on females. It's changing. You know, we're very lucky. Mm-hmm. We have the she, the she research group now in Athlone, really, I think, advancing the conversation. But I, I really do want to make sure that we pay tribute to the work that you are doing, because I really think this was not a conversational topic until you came along and and kind of dragged us all into it, into this awareness. And stuck it in front of everybody's faces. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um, but so first of all, thank you, because you've been very generous with your with your wisdom here. You do train physios in this uh, and other healthcare professionals 
into understanding the, I suppose, the intrinsic and the extrinsic support mechanisms for better breast health. Anything I think that we can do to keep women and girls in physical activity longer. I mean, we know it's the closest thing we have to a magic bullet for everything, but especially as we get older, we know those habits are often laid down in, in younger age. So again, bra health, it's just, it's foundational, literally, to, to everything that we talk about in terms of women's health. So where can people learn more about what you're doing, about your training opportunities, about your teaching? Tell us everything. Thank you. So I kind of realized after I had set up the posture fitting physiotherapy service, which was what I was doing for my own patients, saw how much literally it was enlightening them, enlightening my patients from a physical perspective, psychologically, but also just the fact that they were empowered with knowledge. And, you know, in 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 very much my my kind of goal with posture fitting is to teach people it's to educate people which again is what comes back I suppose to my originally being a teacher and it's not about selling them a bra if they we have bras that we use and they are tools in our um, assessment and in our teaching and if they choose to buy a bra because they love it then so be it that's fine but the more important thing for me is that they can go now into any shop anywhere in the world they can be mindful of their postural positioning because that affects the fit and they can then go and try on a bra and go, yes, this fits me. No, that does not fit me or whatever. They've got that knowledge. That for me is absolutely fundamental um, yeah. because the intrinsic and the extrinsic are so intrinsically linked. If you, if you <laughs> yeah. can excuse me saying it that way, um, but they absolutely are. So connecting those two together and taking that knowledge onwards is really important. So when I was doing that and realizing the effect that it was having on patients, I kind of thought I've got to get this out to other people. So I, I wrote a training program, which was initially for physios and anybody working with women, really. So I was looking at all healthcare professionals, all exercise professionals, yoga teachers, Pilates instructors, anybody who could say to a woman, or pull back on her bra strap and go, I can fit a small child in there. Therefore, that yeah. is not supporting you. You need to go and, and, and improve on this situation. And I kind of realized as I was doing that. So I, I wrote a training course called Gals Against Gravity. And that the idea with then with that was that if a physio chose to or if I invited a physio afterwards and they chose to accept my invitation, they could go on and become a posture fitting partner and then they could offer the service to their patients. But the other thing that I've realized, Michelle, is the Gals Against Gravity workshop. It's a very narrative course. It mm. is talking about the bio implications it's talking about the psychological implications it's talking about the social implications mm -hmm. it's talking about bras and it's talking about support so it's not it's not a typical physio anatomically focused course so i've realized as i've been teaching it that it is something that more people can come on um, and so it is a, it's a workshop that i'm now opening to anybody who has an interest in improving either their own breast health or somebody else's breast health, their daughters, their mothers, their, yeah. their students, if it's a PE teacher. Um, so that workshop is currently an eight hour workshop. Um, it went up from seven to eight because I included a bit more of the postural work as we started to get more research on that, which has been fab. Um, and I'm, I am looking at doing some shorter courses as well, because I realize that eight hours is something that we would do professionally, but not necessarily something that everybody wants. Eight hours of me is hard work. 
<laughs> not at all not at all so so where can people find the links to these classes Shimon? what's the name of your website so my website is posturefittingphysio.com. I, I have started recently using the moniker, the booby physio, um, and I am going to try and start to link link that in and get that website and connect those two together, because that's probably a bit easier to remember. But currently, posturefittingphysio.com. Um, I'm doing a masterclass on Friday with a physio uh, based in the UK who uh, has done a few of these masterclasses um, and has, you know, had, had has had healthcare professionals come to it but also the woman on the street just to to learn about the topic i'm doing that on friday and that's on um um well it's on my social media and it's also on claire callahan's uh social media uh physio claire um so i do want to do shorter kind of um yeah information courses for people as well because i think i think if we can get more women being aware of the issue then there will be more women who will look for the solution and you know we i now have posture fitting partners in the uk and in ireland in various different places i'm always looking for more and um, but i'm also doing virtual consults which then allows somebody who doesn't have somebody local to them to to still get the benefit of the service brilliant so all that information is on posturefittingphysio.com Yes, and um, my Instagram is posture.fitting, which is probably also another good source of, um, you know, kind of, con- you know, content that's changing. Yeah, I, I just I can't emphasize enough how important this is. If you're working with women who are dealing with back pain, I would say with pelvic floor dysfunction as well, and um, particularly if they're having leaking issues when they're running and um, don't forget to look outside the pelvis for these issues, particularly for thoracic kinematics. Um, because if your breasts are not well supported when you're running, you're not going to have that nice thoracic rotation and the effects of that are going to go both up and down the chain. You're not going to enjoy exercise and you're not going to keep on doing it. So um, be sure to check out Siobhan's work um, and follow her on social media for all, more pearls of wisdom. Um, but all that's really left for me to say is a huge thank you, Siobhan, for coming on and, and talking about this Again, super important work. And to everybody who came in to listen, check out Siobhan's work. And I will see you all in the next episode of the Celebrate Muley Eberty podcast. So take care of yourselves. And until then, Celebrate Muley Eberty. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you prefer to watch, all the videos of the interviews will be uploaded onto YouTube. If you'd like to learn more, there's a full suite of online courses on women's health, including courses on female pelvic pain rehab, female hormonal health, oncology rehab and more. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Michelle Lyons underscore for special offers and announcements. Until the next time, celebrate Muley Thanks for listening. Bye for now.